Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake, joined as always by Gabby Urrutia, and we have a special guest on, former host. I was the co-host then, back, back then, right, Andrew? Andrew Ivins is joining us. We're going to talk a little bit of recruiting, then we're going to talk about Miami's coaching situation, where things might have gone wrong with Manny Diaz, and what would be the best fit for Miami if a move is made at the coaching spot. First off, let's welcome in Andrew. How you doing? I am doing good. Uh, you're you're not only the host, you're the engineer as well. You were producer. Checking. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like engineer better because you, you're in charge of like the levels on the microphone and stuff. So. There you go. You know, mine, mine had some dust on it. Uh, I had to dust it <laughs> off. I haven't done a podcast in a while, so hopefully I'm not a little, you know, hopefully I'm uh, up to par. You know, it's been a while, but I'm, I'm ready. Let's get this thing going. We'll knock the rust off here. Uh, we'll start with recruiting. Got two South Florida area recruiting experts on. Miami is Central Connecticut State this week, so no reason to go into that game. Basically, it's going to be a glorified scrimmage. You'll see plenty of young players play and, you know, we won't really know what to make of any of it, but Miami should win comfortably. Right. Uh, so recruiting, what should Miami do from here? I'm just going to leave this pretty open-ended, right? Cause I think we made it clear coming into the season, this coaching staff was banking on selling a successful 2021 season, uh, closing strong, chopping wood with these big time local recruits, you know, convincing them that Miami can coach you up and you can win at Miami. It's not looking good right now. They got time to turn things around. We'll see. Um, but in your opinion, should anything change from here or, sh you know, should Miami start scrambling for plan B's plan C's and all that stuff we have seen for the past decade plus when Miami gets to this point in the season? Well, I think it would be naive in the wrong move for Miami to just maintain the course, right? Keep, stay on the same heading that you've been on throughout this whole cycle. And Miami, uh, to an outsider, um, is is just slowly kind of trudging along when it comes to recruiting. It seems like there's been no urgency uh, at any point, maybe aside from that first few weeks in June when they brought in, what was it, over 30 official visitors. But after outside of that, um, it feels like they're only recruiting a handful of guys. And maybe that's by design with the transfer portal. You don't know how right. many spots you're going to have. And I get all that. Um, but I think we're getting to the point where it's like, okay, you guys keep going after these blue chip prospects. Um, and now you're one and two. And yeah, you'll be two and two after this weekend. Hopefully, um, they take care yeah. of business in Central. <laughs> but, but then, I mean, the, your goals are still ahead of you. Don't get me wrong. Like the ACC, it does not look strong in any way. Sure. Um, you know, Florida State's down. Some of these other teams are down. I mean, Miami could still get to ten wins. I, I think that would be a little of a stretch to project that. But uh, I think you've got to start going and expanding the board. Um, and not banking on, hey, we are going to get a Shamar Stewart or a Nigel E. Kelly um, and, start, and, and start moving to some other guys. I, I think it would be, to me, if I'm working in that recruiting department, you know, these past two games, I would have had as many local guys that I think could potentially play at Miami in the stands. And I don't know if Miami did that. Um, so we'll see. But my biggest thing would be expand the board, not saying you take plan Bs now, but you got to position yourself to get those guys because we're less than uh, seven weeks until that early signing period. 
let me ask you this, Andrew, too. So what do you think of the leaning on the transfer portal potential? Like, is that acceptable to do after your third season, right? I think it makes sense in year one and year two, but we're now in year three. This will be what? The fourth off season, I guess, technically of the Manny Diaz era. Would that be acceptable to like, is that something you should turn to rather than quote unquote reaching for high school players? Well, I think in the era we are in, in 2021 college football, I think the transfer portal is always going to be here. It's not going anywhere. We're only going to see more of it. Um, but maybe this is more of a big picture program. I, I think you cannot continue to rely on these guys as crutches. Um, sure. You know, they could be plug and play, you know, give you something you need when you don't have it. But um, just, hey, we're not getting this high school kid, so we're going to go straight to the transfer portal. I don't think that's a sustainable path right. uh, if you're Miami. So I, to me, like, no, I don't think that's the right answer. I think I've it's said It's a Band-Aid. This, yeah, right? it's a Band-Aid. And you're not putting a Band-Aid on in year four. Right. Um, and I've said this before. I think kind of the model is you take – you know, let's say you have 22 counters, you, you try to take maybe 18, 17, 18 high school kids, guys you want, guys that you think, hey, I can develop, and we'll get into the player development later. Yeah. And then you, you you supplement that with some transfers if a Tyreek Stevenson wants to come home. Obviously, you're trying to hit. You're trying to hit with a Jalen Phillips, a, a Quincy Roche, um, you, you know, guys that are going to get drafted but also, man, you know, for every one of those guys Miami gets drafted, there have been some duds in the portal. I mean, what was DeAndre Johnson the best available edge guy they could have got this year? I think he's kind of been it's a fair. disappointment, right? Yep. Um, you know, Charleston Rambo had the good game against Michigan State, and, and maybe there's some more issues on offense, but he's not a for sure thing. Like, are we going to sit here and say, hey, he's going to get drafted or, or anything I like that? I think, too, you could question why not linebacker, right? Right. So, right. and. To me, that comes down to, did you reach for some high school guys that maybe you shouldn't have taken, uh, right. and, you know, and it was a hole last year. It appears to still be a hole. Right. Um, so yeah, let's turn to, you know, I don't know if we want to label them plan B's, but who are some guys and I'll, I'll throw this to you, Gabby, you get first shot here. Who are some guys you've seen either locally or, or guys, you know, of within the state, that you're like, okay, maybe Miami needs to start giving this guy a stronger look now that we are at this point in recruiting. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends on on the position that you're looking for, but I mean, you look at the tight end recruiting right now, and it's Jalil Skinner, and then who? You know, it's like not one really there. I mean, maybe you could look at it the Carlo Donaldson type. I mean, Rhett Lashley and Rob Likens are going to be at Gulliver on Friday to see Jalen Brown. You know, who knows if that's an opportunity for them to get eyes on him, too. I know, I mean, me and Andrew have talked about defensive linemen before. You got R. Mason Thomas over at Cardinal Gibbons in Fort Lauderdale. I mean, he's an Iowa State commit, a guy that Matt Campbell, I mean, I feel like you talk about player development. I mean, I feel like Matt Campbell has done, is one of the guys that have done the most with the least, probably. And he, if he, that's a guy that he likes, I mean, why not roll the dice there? Um, I mean, there's a couple other guys you can look at. I mean, on the offensive line, you got one commit. You got, uh, J, uh, what is it? How do you say? Jay Kavan Nonar at Bell Glade that like, you know, six foot, six foot seven, 285. Like there's not a ton of those dudes walking around. Like, you know, why not maybe, you know, kick the tires there. It seems like there's, there is options. There's people down here that can play, um, you know, and it, it is Miami willing to go there? I mean, again, like what Andrew said, why don't you at least just have those guys invite them over to Hard Rock Stadium and bring them over, you know, size them up. You probably haven't seen those guys extend those invitations. It costs you nothing to go, you know, bring these guys onto campus or bring those guys to the games and, you know, just have them hang around in case that you potentially decide to go that route. I mean, the fact that they're not doing that is, is, you know, questionable to me, I guess at this point. Andrew, you have any names? Well, the big one for me is Mason Thomas or R. Mason Thomas. I mean, I, <laughs> I've never seen someone go by with one letter before. The <laughs> like, it's just weird. I'm not, not knocking the kid or anything. To me, he's a guy I've always been high on. I remember seeing him at a seven-on-seven seven circuit um, playing linebacker. He's a bit of a tweener. He's at Cardinal Gibbons. 
It's got a super fast L drill time, which if you're in the scouting, um, that normally correlates and translates well to the next level. And I pop on his his senior stuff, and it's it's pretty impressive. Like I don't to me when I watch him, I don't like I think he's further along than DeAndre Johnson was, you know, a couple of years ago when he went to Tennessee. So I, I think sure. he's a guy that the SEC will circle. Um, and we'll see if Iowa State's going to hold on to him. And, and, and David, I was texting you about this. You know, why do I think Miami needs to start expanding the board now? And it's because the closer we get to the early signing period, um, you know, the harder it is for a kid to just kind of walk away. And we've been down this road right. before. We mean we've covered it. Uh, we've seen Miami try to think that they're just going to show up right. and flip an in-state kid from a Minnesota or in Iowa State, and those kids say, you know what, you know, I've been talking to Matt Campbell, I've been talking to PJ Fleck. These guys have been leaving me in, in day one. Hey, you guys are, you know, seven and six, eight and five. Yeah, like I'm you're no come. better, quite yeah, frankly. Exactly. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go up there. So, so he's he's one. Um, you know, Isaiah Hastings. He's he's a defensive lineman. I know Ooh, he's been yeah. on campus. Uh, Gabby's written about him. The Canadian kid at, at Clearwater International Academy. Like Miami, in my opinion, needs to be full bore. Like this is our guy. Um, I think you you could say the same about Zane Durant, uh, the defensive lineman out of Orlando, Lake Nona. I mean, I, I tweeted out a video a few weeks ago where that kid is uh, on punt coverage and yeah. outrunning some skill impressive. players. Yeah. So I think I've always said I think he's kind of like a, a scheme fit. So those would be the two. Um, if you want to get a little weird and like talk always. some li- talk some linebackers. You know, I think there's some good kind of intriguing guys, different guys around the state. Um, let's start with Vanderbilt commit Bryce Cohen. He's up at Tallahassee, Godby. He's like a six three and a half, two hundred pound guy. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not saying Miami's gonna have a chance to flip him from from Vanderbilt, but I think Miami. I mean, I don't know what's going on at linebacker. Like they they have some athletic guys. You know, I I, I again we keep talking development on this podcast, but it's like. Where's Tyreek Austin Cave? Like, you know, he's not even getting snaps. Like, I think that's a major, major red flag. Um, so he's one. Uh, another one. Hold on, I'm going through my notes. I know, bad. Alex Williams, <laughs> another kid from the Panhandle. Like, he he's an all-state, um, state lift or state weightlifting champ. Uh, also plays quarterback. Like, I just think there's some some hidden, not hidden gems, but like some guys that maybe Miami should be entertaining and and getting on campus now sooner right right not in november and december exactly exactly and you know i i I, recruiting is it's a 24 7 thing man you got to do it 365 and it seems like right now um miami's more focused on uh the season and actually i'll I'll toss out two more guys for you um defense alignment that are committed to Tennessee, both from the central yeah. Florida area. Vincent Sneed, he's at Winter Park. I know he visited back in June. I think that kid can play an offensive tackle, but he's committed to, to be a, a defensive end for, for Tennessee. And then Jordan Phillips, who's out of Coe, he also visited. Miami worked him out. They loved him. Like both those guys, you know, Tennessee, um, I guess they're starting Joe Milton at Florida this weekend. Like I think they, they could get off to a bumpy start as well. So those are just some guys off the top of my head. You know, I have a gut feeling that Miami's probably going to look more out of state. Um, we've seen sure. them kind of toss some offers out, which, uh, you know, I, I don't know. We can we can get into that again later. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that those are the names off the top of my head. And I'll add this. You know, Gabby said brought up a good one. DeCarlo Donaldson, the uh, the, the the tight end H back at. Um, at, at Gulliver Prep, yeah, man, he's a he's 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 a fun, kind of good high school fo- football player. How much upside is there? I, I don't know, but I I do think he can make plays at at a Miami. You know, he's he's productive. Um, but I have heard, I, I, and you know, I'm not trying to break news here or anything, but you know, if Miami misses on Jaleel Skinner, I would not be surprised if they just go straight transfer portal route at tight end, which. Sure. Again, we can get into <laughs> that's what they want to do i think in general yeah. not just yeah. tight end but you know so. I, I mean on which, the offensive line it's the same thing like if if they don't if they don't get armella and julian armella at the same time as guinness or malik ogbo out of the washington state area i think it's very likely that they just call it a day and just go straight portal like i'm not sure if there's anyone out there that they're willing to reach for um a nonar uh, any of these guys that you know you could throw out there like i'm not 100 percent certain that 
they're just going to go after one of these types of guys. I think they would probably go straight portal as well. Yeah, and, and to follow that up, Jacavian Nonar is the kid you're, you're mentioning at Glade Central. He actually hasn't played this season. I don't know. There's some weird, I don't know, like transfer reason. I don't know, Palm Beach County. But I, I do agree. He's intriguing to me. Um, it sounds like he might end up at Florida. I, I think if you're Miami, and this at one time was kind of the plan uh, before there was a coaching change. Like they were all about taking a developmental tackle or two stashing them on the roster so then you would have a guy and it seems like they're just getting away from that now which well, carswell i would say fits that yeah right yeah you're right you're right okay but i'm all for stacking those like you're saying yeah. don't just take one take a bunch you because know it's I, a numbers game right and, and, and you know zion nelson maybe he's not the you know everyone's <laughs> first stocked round <laughs> stock down on him right now but he was one of those guys i mean i sure. remember i got i got all this crap when i wrote he's got to wear size 16 shoes and all this stuff and you know uh, he may he will probably dress on sundays we'll, we'll right. leave it at that right now and i don't know so i going back to where, where we started with this like all right if you're going to take 22 guys maybe you take 18 high schoolers that leaves you room for what six transfer portal guys you know, ideally those 18 high schoolers, yeah, man, like 15 of them should be really good. And then you can take a couple projects, but take the right projects. Right. You know, don't, don't take a short linebacker, unathletic linebacker, like take a six, seven offensive <laughs> tackle or something like yeah. that. So, okay. Before we turn the page on recruiting, we'll end it here. We haven't talked to you in a while, Andrew, and just your thoughts on Miami's commit class right now, just the guys they have committed, right? It's nine guys. I think it's, it's, you know, the guys they have committed overall, I don't have an issue with. I mean, you can nitpick a couple of them, but, you know, they've addressed corner and DB in general, I think, pretty well. I am a Jakari Brown believer. Um, and again, I like Flip Carswell, too, as a developmental tackle. The guys they have, just how important will it be for Miami to hold on to these guys as well? Well, I mean, given what we've seen out of the defense, like, damn, they need some some defensive yeah. backs. And that is, look, the strength of the class. Uh, I was actually talking with Mark Keith Williams, one of his coaches the other day. Uh, while there's not much footage available online, like he's having a really, really good senior season. I, I think he returned a kickoff for a touchdown. Um, Traquan Fagans, I love him. You know, yeah. when I dug into his film, it was like, how is Alabama kind of letting this guy get right. out of the state? And then... He's, he's only impressed my colleagues uh, in terms of the analysts agree. You know, Kamari Rogers, uh, unfortunately, from what I've heard, has, has torn his ACL. Yeah. So he is out. Um, and, and, you know, modern medicine, he, he should be good to go. That That's unfortunate. Have I been on since I, I saw Jakuri at the beginning of the season? Have I, have I been on since I don't, then? So. I don't think so. Yeah, so – I was up in Atlanta for the Corky Kell Classic, uh, which is like they played five games in one day um, at Mercedes Benz. And Jacuri, it was Lowndes versus Walton, and Walton and uh, out of Marietta. I mean, they probably had 10 Division I guys, and, and Lowndes had none. Um, and I was super just impressed with everything about him. Um, you know, he's still not, sure. he's not going to wow you. <laughs> throwing on air. I mean, this is the kid. I was out at the elite 11. I saw him at the elite 11. I saw, I've seen him throw, you know, every six months in some type of setting. Um, and it was, it was a super impressive performance. You know, he rallied his team, got it to overtime. They lost. Um, and he was a one man show. Like, right. You know, they were throwing, he was throwing to a David Lake at, at, at wide receiver. <laughs> like, like you keep cross saying, country. Like a, yeah, a yeah. little cross country <laughs> guy out there. Um, and I think he's kind of got that intangible it in terms of being a leader. Uh, I, I love the frame. You know, he, he's run the ball. He was excellent the following, I, I think it was a week or week after that against a good Lake Gibson team. So, you know, Miami's got to keep him committed. Um, who knows what happens if, if, if Rhett Lashley's somewhere else. But Right. They're going to have to fight. I think they're going to have to fight to keep him. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. We haven't gotten to the point where there's that shuffling of quarterbacks. There has been a few decommitments. Uh, you know, Ole Miss is, is actively fishing for a guy. Um, Zach Pyron was committed to, to Baylor. To me, though, he's a guy a lot of programs would take a chance on as a second quarter, like right. big-time programs. You right. know what I'm saying? So it'll be interesting. I think Miami needs to keep him. Like, 
you know, we talk about the importance of stacking quarterbacks. I think he's of that caliber where it's like, you got to get him in your program and oh, develop let him. You, let me ask you this. Like, do you think what you've seen, I know you watched that, that, uh, Walton yeah. game you watch. He's um, getting better. Yeah. I mean, but do you think he's a guy who within two years is going to be in competing for Tyler Van, with, with Tyler Van Dyke and, and, and uh, Jake Garcia? Like I, I view him as a year three guy. Okay. I think, I think you can sprinkle them in, in year two, you know, work. A, like if you want to get that running quarterback, look, I think that's how you work them in in year two. But I think year three is when you expect him to be ready to start. And I, I think honestly, he would tell you that too. I think he knows he has work to do. Can I have, can I have one last thought on, on yeah. Jakari? Like just kind of talking with some guys about quarterbacks in this, in this 22, where we in 22. Yeah. This 22 class, like, you know, me, me and, and Cooper and Cooper Patanga, who's a new analyst, like we kind of both agree, like to us, Drew Aller, who is committed to Penn State, is the most intriguing of the bunch. And that's because he's got like this frame and this yeah. persona to him. And if you go down the quarterback rankings, you know, it, it's a wide, like the next one you kind of come across where it's like, damn, yep. this guy's got a frame. Like this is like an NFL type frame. It's an it factor. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying, hey, he's going to be a four-star or anything like that. But that's something to think about. Like, yes, maybe there's some quarterbacks in front of him. Maybe those guys are game managers with a limited, you know, limited ceiling. But I think Jakari, he's a he's a low floor, really high ceiling type of prospect. But I, I think he's what they need in terms of has it. I saw that, like, kind of grit and leadership in him. You know, he was all smiles. He was trying to get his team going. And I that. think you would agree, too. His self-awareness is unique. I think for a high school quarterback, like he knows he has a lot of work to do. Right. I don't think that's very common. Right. Well, I mean, Miami had a quarterback here <laughs> that is, you know, <laughs> lost, lost, the, lost the starting job. I wonder who this will be about. Go at, ahead. At USF to a, a true freshman who is, is one of the worst, not one of the worst passers <laughs> I've, I've seen, but he is not a talented passer. So, yes, I, I think it's a 180 from what we've seen before in that quarterback room. All right, so we'll close the book here on recruiting. We will talk about what everyone wants to hear us talk about now and kind of just the head coaching position at Miami and our thoughts on, you know, what works at Miami, what does not work at Miami, what they might need to do moving forward. So we'll take this break and jump into that discussion. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. We are back. Um... You know, again, I think it's it's important to say on the front end, as you alluded to, Andrew, earlier in the show, Miami still has a lot to play for. They cert this staff certainly deserves a chance to get it turned around, um, but it has to show pretty quickly here with with Miami facing Virginia on a Thursday night matchup, Coastal Division, foe, ACC schedule, all that good stuff, and, and right now it's not good vibes right so <laughs> i mean think about it like this you know i haven't seen this tweeted out i don't even people realize it like miami has lost four straight to power five teams and none right. of those games have been close they're one in they're one in four in their last five right yeah and, and, and the app state win while look i do think it's a gritty win and all that they still did not play well that's the bottom line they right. found a way to win but it's not like they played well in that game so but no, it, 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 you also got to point out, like, I keep seeing this on Twitter. It's been retweeted a ton. 
Miami has like what like the second or third easiest remaining schedule according to Pro Football Focus. Yes, I've seen that as well. My counter to that would be: Is Miami very good? I, I don't know. So, you know, I agree. Like again, though, on paper, Miami was better than Michigan State. So, I mean, we'll see how this all goes. Right? We can talk ourselves into it. Like we could talk ourselves into things. But here's where we're at right now today. Uh, Manny Diaz has to coach his way out of a hole, right? Um, so let's just start here, Andrew. I mean, you've obviously, you're well-versed in the Manny Diaz era because you covered the team with me for a long time. In your, in your opinion, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go here. But if you wanted to highlight one thing where Manny Diaz has gone wrong, what, what would you highlight? Well, I said it multiple times in the in the front end of this podcast in the first segment, player development. Like, where is it? Um, yeah. Like, we are year three. Right. And, you know, I to me, what is puzzling, not puzzling or, or disturbing, is like Cam Kitchens or James Williams might start next to – who's the – at safety Bubba. this week? Bubba. Ne- next to Bubba. Okay. And yeah, like you want to play your young guys, but it's not yet, good. It's not healthy. Right. And there's, there's, yeah, there's been Devontae Williams situation. There's been injuries, but like, where is Keyshawn Washington? Where is Brian Balaam? And I think Balaam's dealing with an injury. I, I could be wrong here. He is. But, but, yeah, neck injury. But, but, but like, the bottom line is, is like, good teams have like depth in like Correct. guys that have been developed. I think no one's getting better. Like, where's Marcus Clark? Where's Isaiah Dunson? Um, and then I think go- to your point, why is even Gervin Hall and Bubba Bolden regressing? They right. appear to be regressing. Right. They're not even stagnant with their development. They appear to be getting worse. So I agree. I think this is a fair point. And then you bring it up to linebacker. It, I mean, I, I, I didn't notice when uh, Avery Huff got into the game or I didn't even see it. You weren't alone on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But where's Tyreek Austin Cave? Is he dealing with an injury as well? Not that we know of. I just, I, I think he's buried. So I don't Which know. Is, I don't, how? Like, wh- right. how? Right. I know. I, I don't know. I mean, you, eventually you can't throw your hands up in the air and say, we keep missing, like, these guys just aren't very good, right? Eventually you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, are we getting enough out of these guys? Again, like, I, I get it. There, there are injuries there's been different setbacks, but man, this is supposed to be your defense. These are supposed to be your guys. These they are, the guys, they are his we, defense and his guys. When you miss your blue chippers, you're like, Hey, what? We're going to go get Keyshawn Washington. That's the guy I want to take. Hey, Tyreek Austin cave cave is a kid. We're going to go up to New Jersey and we're going to invest all this time in, in, in recruiting him. And, and he's not even seeing the field right now. Right. Who, you know, look, I don't, I don't think we're sitting here saying Tyreek Austin cave is a stud, right? But there was something there. Right. There was something there and we're not seeing any of it when the team could use something at that position. Right. Yeah. It, 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 I, I recall specifically last year how much they talked up those young linebackers. It just it's it, stagnant's a good word. I, I, I don't see it. And I, I, I think it's more on the defensive side of the ball. Like this is supposed to be Manny's defense. You know, you ran Blake Baker out of here. You know, LSU's having their own season, but Ephraim Bonda left, you know, don't look now. Utah State 3-0. I've, I've watched a few of their games. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, it's, it's, it's puzzling to me where, where these guys are, where the chunk of your roster it, it should be. I mean, you're as good as your number twos. And, and Miami's number twos, and it's been the same thing for the past three years, aren't good right now. Yeah. I. So I uh, – interestingly, like both sides of the ball are bad, but this development thing that you're speaking to – and just the depth and the potential answer finding. Like, again, offense and defense have been bad this year. I feel much better about the offense figuring it out right now, moving forward, than I do the defense for these reasons you're highlighting. And look, I think, again, your point of saying James Williams and Cam Kitchens, we shouldn't be seeing them. We're not saying, at, like, where things are at right now that we don't want to see them. We need to see them at this point. But right. but the follow-up to that is why do we have to see them? It shouldn't be the case where, you know, we're we're depending so heavily on true freshmen 
across the roster. That, that it, didn't enroll early either. Like these are mid-year guys that like got here and well, James, right? James came in the summer. Yeah, but Cam Kitchen. Oh, Cam, I guess yeah, he was around. So you know, it's it's not it's not a good look, regardless. And, and also too, Manny. And look, he's trying to to play the play the young guy card right now. When it's easy to do, you're playing Central Connecticut State. Like they're gonna play anyways, and he's so reactive. That's my problem too. Like he doesn't see it coming. There's no anticipation of wow, Gervin Hall and Bubba Bolden look terrible in practice. Maybe we need to start playing James Williams and Camp Kitchens more. He waits till they look awful through three games and then decides, oh, we got to try and find some answers in freshmen. Um, so, yeah, these are some of my concerns to go along with your point, Andrew. And then I was looking this up, and this kind of circles back to where the development thing. Past three drafts, man, or, or you know, the past sure. three years, Miami has turned three three-stars into draft picks. That'd be Greg Russo, Michael Jackson, and, Ch- and Sheldrick Redwine. Like, that's just not a good enough hit rate for me. Like, right. it, it, you know, Miami, to me, will always be able to compete for some blue-chip guys, but they're not going to go out and sign 25 of them. Sure. All right, they're not going to sign – you know, they're going to sign five, six, seven of them, seven elite guys. They should always have that ability – just based on location. But after that, you know, you're, you're, you got to be good from the fifth player into your class to the 15th player. You know, that's yeah. where you got to get your, your depth guys. You're all, so you're is all that ACC evaluation guys. or is that development? I think it's both. I, yeah. I think it's both, you know, and I, I, you know, we, we can go through some examples right now if you want. Uh, and I'm Give not me saying, one. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> in 2018, Elijah Moore wasn't good enough for Miami. Right. Okay. 2018, Jamie and Sherwood was not good enough for Miami. 2018, Tutu Atwell was not good enough for Miami. 2018, Rashad Wild Goose was not good enough for Miami. All those guys were just drafted in the NFL draft. Right. Okay. Did we know they're all going to be that? No. But man, someone in your recruiting department should should identify it and want to roll the dice. Right. Uh, and we don't even have to use the NFL examples. Tyler Steen, offensive lineman out of St. Thomas Aquinas, in that 2018 cycle. He ended up at Vanderbilt. Started twenty four tack. He started twenty four straight games in the offensive line. I I don't even remember Miami looking at him. Daniel Barker, tight end from Deerfield Beach, caught two touchdown passes over the weekend for Illinois. You know, yeah. I, there's good players all over the place. To right, your point, right? I just you know, I in this. I mean, we can just get into it. I Tell think me my, this, because I think an interesting point, and I kind of see this thrown out there, and honestly, I think it's true. If you think about it, right, Manny's three best defenses, in my opinion, since he's been at Miami, 16, 17, 18, right? Yeah. Were those his players? No. That's not a good sign, right? I mean, that's that's not. Well, look at his defense last year. Who were his good players? Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche. Were those his guys? No. Right. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's uh, there are there are some concerns here. Let me go on my rant, and I, I wonder if, if you would push back on anything of this, Andrew. In my opinion, like, it's hard for me to bang on Manny too much, honestly, because I look at it even bigger picture than Manny. It's not Manny's fault that he was hired to be the head coach at the University of Miami, right? He's learning on the job. And this is the Andrew Ivins era of covering Miami. So you remember all these missteps and all, you know, I will say this, Manny does make moves to address his missteps, right? Year one, the program lacked accountability and the offense was horrible, right? So what did he do? He fired Dan Enos, made other changes to the offensive staff. Uh, He stopped tweeting TNM constantly and being brash on Twitter. He booted Jared William, Jaron Williams, who I will never forget this when it comes to the Manny Diaz era. Jaron skipped a practice, just straight up skipped it because he wasn't going to start. He still traveled with the team that week. The team fell behind and Manny Diaz put him in the game and he ended up winning the game. What does that do to your culture? Like it is anyway. So that was year one beyond the whole 
FIU, Louisiana Tech, Duke losses, right? Fine. Year one pass. He makes changes. Rhett Lashley, new quarterback, Derek King, who helps set the tone for a new culture. I think Manny would tell you Ed Reed being around the program might help the culture too. He also improved the specialists, right? Kicker was a problem, got Jose Borregales. So he did address issues on offense, but then the defense slips, right? Um, I think too, in year two, I think we would all agree that the recruiting improved, you know, whether it's due to COVID, whatever it is, it's, it's a bottom line business. He ended up getting Leonard Taylor, James Williams, Jake Garcia, along with other pretty good four-star players, I think. I think that's fair to say. Now we're here in year three. Uh, Manny Diaz has named himself defensive coordinator, which to me, I mean, I was here for it. If, if you feel like you can't find a better defensive coordinator than yourself, cool. But man, that's a risky move because he's now got no more bullets in the chamber to fire. And it takes, again, he is a coach learning on the job. This takes him away from that CEO approach of, hey, I can see issues all over my team. Let's address them. He's so dialed into the defense now. He might be missing some things. I do feel like, too, you know, after recruiting really well last year, they've sort of rested on their laurels a little bit in recruiting. Um, so that's kind of slipped a little bit, in my opinion, which was disappointing. Yeah, dude. Kids can take visits now. <laughs> right. It it should have been ramped up even more this year, right? So, and another thing I want to bring up too, I'm just not like, and look, Manny deserves credit for quickly addressing these things during off seasons, because we've seen head coaches at Miami that do not do that. Al Golden was stubborn. Mark Richt was stubborn. They wouldn't make these changes. So Manny Diaz deserves credit for that. To me, an issue with Manny in all three of these seasons is addressing issues that pop up during the season. You know, 2019, that offense was bad, and it only got worse as the season progressed. Last year, the defense was average, and it only got worse as the season progressed. Now the offense and the defense are bad, and I just don't know, like, how are you going to find answers? And it seems like his only answers right now are, hey, we're going to play the freshman. We're going to make the fan base happy and play the freshman. So these are my concerns. I don't know if you either one of you guys would agree, disagree, push back on any of this. Well, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna learning let... on the job, this isn't a learning on the, it's a very hard job, Miami's head coaching job. And they need to stop hiring these guys that haven't done it at the power five level. Well, I'm going to let, I'll let Gabby speak. I will say, uh, it's a good point. I, I, I didn't even think about that but in terms of him being so dialed into the defense, it slipped everywhere else. I mean, there's only a certain amount of hours in the day. Right. You know, um, yeah, that's a good point. Second thing is everything you just said. I mean, if you really wanted to craft it, like that's kind of Dabo his first few years at Clemson. Sure. Um, and I'm not saying give give Manny the leash or anything like that, but I think that's another example of someone that learned on the job, came in, was never a head coach, was was essentially promoted, and kind of figured it out. So I, I was thinking that as you were bringing that up. I'm not I do think, that. and look, he's got time. But I, I, I'm not sure on this, but in year three, did Dabo figure it out? I don't know what his year three record was, but I'll let you look it up. Gabby, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, just like on the Dabo, I feel like Dabo is almost like the exception, like not the rule there. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I just feel like at this point, it's, I mean, you, I just see you look around the country and you see other coaches that figured it out. Like, you know, you see like, look, like look what Sam Pittman's doing in year two. Like, look yes. what Mel Tucker did in year two. Like, I feel like there's... Like, I feel like Manny talks about culture a lot, but, like, I don't know. I feel like you can't really fake it, you know? Like, I feel like what you mentioned, David, like, Jaron Williams skipping a practice and then coming back, like, traveling with the team, it's just, like, you know, I feel like in culture programs, that doesn't happen. Like, you're not getting away with that. Like, we saw what happened in the opener with, uh, against Alabama. Like, Jaleel Billingsley wasn't practicing as hard as maybe Nick Saban would wanted to, and he kept him on the sideline and had another tight end scoring a touchdown, like, you know, I just feel like there's there's something lacking there and you, you can't fake it. You can like talk about culture, but like there's a way to do it and there's a way not to. And I just feel like I don't know. I feel I do feel like there's a disconnect there between like, you know, what Manny's doing and like you see it in the results. Like I feel there's like there's no results. Yeah, yeah, there's no results. Like you see these guys that really go in there and that are actually making an impact and like you see the results. Maybe not in year one. Mel Tucker won two games last year. 
But, you know, he sort of flipped the roster around to the way that he wanted it, built it really with people he chose to bring in. And, like, they're 3-0 and this year. They just – he just went on the road and beat Miami by 21 points. Like, like it's year well, – this is year four for Miami or, year, or for Manny, year three for, Miami, year three. Or for Manny. And it's just like you're not – like, where's the signature win? Like, all you see is a bunch of just bad losses. And then, like, even with the recruiting classes, you're not seeing the turnaround that you know you're seeing at some of these other programs that are able to figure it out in potentially tougher situations just in terms of the ability to acquire talent and way all tougher, that stuff like way tough like how like sam Pittman's recruiting in the sec against all these other schools and you know you're able to figure it out real quick like you know he's doing a really good job there like you know I, i'm gonna be really interested to see how they look against Texas a&m this weekend like i feel like we're going to we're going with manny with manny diaz now in year three like i'm terrified to play virginia like, I'm worried about what Brennan Armstrong is going to do to Miami. And it's just like, why are we having these conversations in year three? Like, I feel like there's there's a disconnect between the words that he's saying and, like, what's actually happening, like, within the building. And I don't know. That's just how I feel. I, I feel like there's just some deeper, like, deeper-rooted issues just within everything. Andrew, you got the Dabo number? Uh, so, I didn't realize this. I mean, I don't, I'm not versed in my Dabo history. Neither am I. <laughs> He took over in 20, 2008 midseason for for Terry, for Tommy Bowden, not Terry Bowden, excuse me. Um, first year nine and five, second season six and seven, third year ten and four. Okay, um, so it depends on when you want to count first year, but there was there was initial step back. Um, right, absolutely. So. so let's let's go on to profile of a coach Miami needs, right? And again, Manny Diaz can figure it out if I he figures it out. Here. Cool. <laughs> Give me just what traits. We don't even need specific names. If you want to do specific names, I'm here for it. But like what I'll let you go first, Andrew. What's the number one thing you want and and you would want in a head coach at Miami? Because you're familiar with the program. You know so, what the job is. So this uh, we could talk for an hour about this. I, I think Miami is at a crossroads. And this isn't a program thing. This is a university thing. Um they need yeah, to, they absolutely. Need to, they need to decide, do we want to be a perennial college football playoff contender, a team that's ranked in the top 10 every year coming into the preseason? If, if that's what you want to do, then you back up the, the Brinks truck, you get as much funding figure it, out. And, and figure it out, and you go and get Mario Cristobal, right? That That's option one. Do you, let me ask, let me stop you there. Do you have any, like, do you have any doubt that he would succeed at Miami? Oh, I think he would. I mean, I I remember six, seven years ago, he he was. <laughs> um, hold on. Like, what would be the biggest drawback to Mario at Miami? Because honestly, I can't think of one. Like, you know, with each coach, there's a, there's always kind of something, but like in terms of how they fit at Miami. Oh, dude. Well, his right hand man. I mean, no one even brings this up. Alex Mirabal is like an O-line guru. That's like his right-hand yeah. man. Like he would come, that would come and fix your problems right away. Along right with there. him. He is yeah, it. Exactly. You exactly. Know. So no, I, I, with just, I've seen him recruit. I saw him recruit or what I was saying before. Sorry, I got some text message. Like I remember five, six years ago, I was at St. Thomas Aquinas. He whipped it in in some Alabama, you know, SUV <laughs> and bam, he's there getting whoever he wants. So yeah, I think he would be, I, I, I don't see any, any drawbacks with him. Anyway. It would be worth, what I'm saying is, because I think there's this whole Miami doesn't have the money thing, which I think they can find the money if they want, you know, and again, we're not at this point where they need to go find the money because Manny Diaz isn't fired yet. Or, you know, he's still the head coach, I should say. Um, but look, man, I think Miami needs to understand they're in this buyout hell because they keep hiring the guy who isn't going to work. They're, they're essentially gambling rather than investing. Right. They got to think of it like Amazon stock. Right. Like, yeah, Amazon stock's expensive. You know, in 2011, it was 200 bucks. In 2016, it was 800 bucks a share. Today, it's 3,400 bucks a share. So you got to you got to pay that money up front. But on the back end, he's going to make the money for you as a program. And you're not going to be in buyout hell anymore. I would argue, too, Mark Richt in 2016 and 2017 generated a ton of revenue oh, for the man. program compared to what they were getting from the end of the Al Golden era. Yeah. I, 
this is big picture with college football right now. Like what you when you're saying buyout hell or whatever. That's just where we're at right now. I mean, think right. about any team in the country. FSU. Any team that is in the in the country right now that is off to a disappointing start wants to fire their coach, right? And this is how it works. So, and then once there is an opening, every coach is linked to that opening, and there's not a ton of good candidates out here, right? So James Franklin, he's he's linked to this US thing, USC thing. It doesn't even matter if he actually wants to interview; he's going to get a contract extension. He's going to right. get more money. Right. Right. And then and then and then USC has to go to their next candidate. And then either that guy says yes or no, he's going to get more money or not. And I just think you're right. At some point, you just got to be like, hey, if we want a good coach. We got to buy in now. And let me ask you this. OK. I, I think a lot of people too bring up why would Mario leave Oregon? Because Oregon, a lot of people and even people inside the U.N. building, which blows my mind, feel like Oregon is a better program or a better situation than Miami. And it's like, since when did Oregon become this destination job? And look, it's a good job. They have a sugar daddy. Absolutely. No doubt. But this is college football, man. The coach makes the program. Chip Kelly was a stud, right? How were they under Mark Helfrich? Oh, I thought you were going to go Willie Taggart here. I was like, yeah, I was about to say, like, the hire before Mario Cristobal is Willie Taggart. Like, it's not like it was, like, this massive And like, And, and was it a job, destination right? job for Willie? I mean, obviously not. He bounced after one year, you know? Like, it, I don't know. I think University Mario's of Florida. University of Florida, when they have crap coaches, how are they? When Will Muschamp's the coach, when Jim McElwain's the coach, Florida State, Willie Taggart and Mike Norvell. How's it going there? It's all about the coach. So either you're going to pay up for the coach or you're not. Last thing, too, on this rant, and we'll move on. The Athletic, right, put out a list of top 12 coaches, or sorry, top 12 jobs in the country. They had 100 people, ADs, coaches, writers, people all around college football vote. The University of Miami wasn't in the top 12, but they were number 13 in that ranking. They were ahead of Oregon, who was number 14. They also ranked ahead of Florida State, Penn State, and North Carolina. So it is a job that has a lot of pluses. Now, is it a perfect job? Absolutely not. But it has its strengths that like, if, the, if you get the right coach that understands how to exploit those strengths, I still think it can be a power, but you have to go get the coach. Yeah. I mean, I don't... Like I hear people discuss this all the time. Like, well, you could go to Miami and you can recruit and you can come back and sleep in your own bed. Um, and the more I think about that, like I do think that's a very attractive option. For Mario? Absolutely. Like right. he would destroy it at Miami. Absolutely. He has family here, man. Like his whole family's here. Yeah. Let's let let me highlight just who he got at Alabama. <laughs> Alex Leatherwood, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, Minka Fitzpatrick. Quinn and Williams. That's why he was at Alabama, Oregon. The recruiting classes have gone up every year. T.Y. Hilton, he got at FIU. I remember I covered Miami recruiting back then. I'm that old. Miami made a late push for T.Y. Hilton. Was Twitter they, around at this time or no? <laughs> it was in its infancy then. There was like four people on it, like Ashton Kutcher. So they Miami made a run at flipping T.Y. Hilton. They couldn't do it because Mario said, nah, you're coming to FIU. So anyways, yeah, obviously Mario Cristobal, to me, I think everyone here would agree, is the perfect fit. If And honestly, too, the frustrating thing for Miami, they're never going to have this option again of like a desirable coach who's ascending where the, the, the interest could be mutual, right? Like there's a lot of good coaches out there, but not every coach wants to come to Miami. Right. That potential is there with Mario Cristobal. So we have a lot of higher ups that listen to this podcast. Hopefully uh, they heard all this ranting anyways. So, okay. Other names or other traits. Who, who do you got? Okay. So I mentioned the fork in the road, right? So right. that was, that was option one. Option two, Miami was like, all right, we don't want to pay this. Uh, I, I think the next, the next, next category, right? It's not I'm hard. already, I'm already not like uh, this. Yeah, I mean, there's gonna be a ton of, ton of inside the use subscribers gonna be like, 
F no, I hate that I hate that strategy. But this is this is my take. This is what Miami sure, would sure. need to do. Let's hear it. You just got to be embrace being a developmental program. Okay, and what do I mean by that? Think think Stanford five, six, seven years ago. Stanford who every year won nine games, right? And then maybe it was every other year when they had the right players, the stars aligned, you push for that 10th, 10th 11th win uh, in a spot in a BCS game or, or the college football playoff is what it would be now, right? So to so embrace that role, all right? I don't think there's a ton of differences between Miami and Stanford in terms of academics. Sure. It's a high, high academic school. Um, so I think you could start playing that up. Uh, but it would come down to player development. You would have to recruit the right guys. The guys in your class, I, I'm going to keep saying it, from 5 to 15 would be guys that make it to the NFL. Okay. Um, and I still think that allows you to go out and get some of these blue chip guys. Like you can still recruit a Leonard Taylor. You can still recruit a James Williams, right? Sure. But now I'm under the impression, hey, I, I'm more concerned about the, getting the guy that get, fits my program from the jump. Um, so I think that, that's, that's, that would be the next route. And who are some coaches that could do that? Let's hear it. You know, I think it's get, it has to be a head coach. Miami has to hire. Yes, a guy no more assistants. 100%. Like you know, so I, I think I, so, a power five head coach. Power five, yes, yes, or 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 a retread, maybe someone that's done it before. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, the name that jumps out to me that probably kind of lean a little bit towards the the splashier side, PJ Fleck. Um, you know, I think he would bring some energy, some juice. I think he would attack this recruiting area. Uh, but more importantly, he, he develops players, man. Um, yeah, I, I looked it up, you know, he's had 10 guys from his time at Western Michigan drafted, you know, none of those guys were four-star guys. Um, and yet, and while he's moved on, you know, he's done some things. I, I think he would have a good staff. I think he would have a staff that kind of understands what, what you need. Um, I'm a, you know. I'm a fleck believer with you. I think people would push back and say he's gone 15 and 20 in the big Ten. What would you say to that? Well, Big Ten's a lot harder than the ACC right now. Sure. <laughs> That's what I would say. I don't think Minnesota's an easy job. Right. No. <laughs> and I right. you give them the access to the players you can get at Miami, I think it's going to be yeah. a little bit different. I mean, dude, do you remember two cycles ago when Miami tried to flip James Gordon, yep. a, a linebacker from Minnesota, and he was like, no. Right. He's like, <laughs> he's like PJ Flex says I couldn't visit. I'm you know, with my, you. I think, yeah, I think my, Fleck would be a good fit. On the other hand, and this isn't a knock on Miami, but Manny Diaz can't even get the son of a legacy recruit to take an official visit to Miami, but the kid's going to go visit Florida State this weekend right. on an official visit. I, I just right. think it's, you know, someone has a backbone, someone doesn't. Right. You know? And as harsh as that sounds, I'm just just kind of, you know, laying it out there. Uh, so that's really the candidate I have. I mean, I, I just think the category would be like, I, I you know, Dave Clawson's name gets thrown around a ton for all these jobs. Like Ugh. recruiting though, recruiting would be the concern there. Don't you right, think? Right. I mean, he's a developmental developmental guy. Right. Like I think you just need some guy that has a track record of developing guys. Like what about Pat Narduzzi? Like someone like that. Um, I think recruiting but, too would be tough. Yeah. But with he him. recruits, he recruits. I'm just saying someone that is taking what he is, he gets access right. to. In, in, in turning it into gold. And I like that. that. It's just the willingness to a little bit play the game in South Florida. I'm right, not right. sure Pat Narduzzi is willing right. to do that. Yeah, he he does try to recruit South Florida guys a lot, though. I feel like a lot of these kids have gone on trips to Pitt. Like, I feel like they've yeah. done a decent job getting like South Florida guys up there. Okay, this is the one that you threw out, Tom Allen. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I don't know much about him. But it's, you know, he recruits Florida very well. You know, he's from the state of Florida, so he yeah. understands the state. Would the fan base be all in on that? Probably not. And no. I get it, right? I don't think I don't think I don't I don't think this category the fan base is gonna go for. Right. Gabby, yeah. what name would you throw out there? I mean I I'm not I I'm Mark Stoops. I mean sure. coach I think he would fit Sammy. that category, don't you, Andrew? Uh who, Mark Stoops? Yeah. No, I think he fits in that category as well, but Mark Stoops right now has the best job in America. Sure. <laughs> you know his contract, right? At Kentucky? Yes. Oh, I don't. Oh, if he, I think, what, if he wins eight games, he gets another year extended to, on his contract? I don't think it's even eight. I think it's yeah, like six or seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, but I, but I, if well, he wants to take the next step, and Mark Stoops has coached at Miami. He's coached at Miami before. There's a connection. I feel like there. he does a really good job. Like in the, I mean, I feel like Kentucky is producing offensive linemen like crazy right now. Uh, you know, he's produced NFL draft picks. You know, he got Josh Allen there. You got a few other guys that 
you know, have come through there. I don't know. I feel like Mark Stoops isn't, isn't a bad option. I had no, I didn't know anything about that contract situation, but I mean, I feel like he's someone that has a South Florida connection in a way. Uh, he's seen Miami be great. Um, you know, at during, just during that time that he was here and, you know, I feel, I do feel like he'd be a, a good recruiter and developer. Um, you know, like, I feel like he sort of fits the bill there too. Uh, I like Greg Schiano. What do you think of that? I mean, dude, row the boat or not row the boat. Rah, rah, Rutgers, man. They're three and oh right now. It's um, impressive. He's doing it twice. And that's a at really Rutgers. hard job. Right. So, and, and I believe and I have really well, I believe I have this right. He, uh, he was in the mix when they hired Mark Richt. I think he was a name being tossed around and then Mark Richt became available and they went all in on Mark Richt. But I think Greg Schiano, again, I don't know if he would excite the fan base, but to me, he embodies everything kind of Miami needs, you know, like a Mario Cristobal light almost, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's, those are some good names. And I think you bring up a good point with the development, Andrew, it is an area that's, yeah plagued Miami for quite some time, honestly. And I'll say this with, with Shiano, with Stoops, some of these other names that have been thrown out there. Lane train. Who said that? <laughs> uh, I mean, he'd be fun. He could take his boat to work. Jake Garcia. Yeah. What would he do with Jake Garcia? Oh. Anyways, I distracted you. Sorry. Like the more I've been in this field and, 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 and realized it and seen it like, Good assistant coaches want to work for good head coaches. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And good assistant coaches are the coaches that produce and develop players. Right. Yep. They're the ones that also know that, hey, my room's future hinges on me recruiting. Um, and I, you know, I always circle back to parts of Mark Rick's staff. They were very, there were some very good pieces there. Good guys want to work for him. I, I think, think they, it's been the best staff at Miami in a while, those yes. Mark Rick staffs. Yes. I mean, think about think about it like this. This is not a knock on on the on, right. I mean, right now, but who on Miami staff right now, aside from a handful of guys, T. Rob Likens, has taken a guy they recruited, right, and got them to the NFL? Sure, they're all young, quote unquote, ascending coaches, right? So I think okay. that's a fair point. Okay, then maybe you need to go and get guys that aren't ascending coaches, correct, and, and guys yeah. that can figure this thing out. So correct. That would just be my thing. That's why I think you have to get a guy that has experience, a guy that has been at the power five level, a guy that's kind of, you know, people are going to You know this, for. Mario's, Mario's FIU staffs, right? Didn't they have like, like his OC was like Scott Satterfield oh, yeah. and yeah. his DC was like Jeff Collins. Do I have that right? Yeah, I believe it's something like that. At FIU. So he does have, again, speaking to your point with the Mario Cristobal, uh, prism through that lens he has also identified assistance at a Dave, high level Dave, let me ask you let's toss out this name because it's gonna be a popular one like billy napier like you're, what do you think about that my my thing with billy napier is a uh, group of five i'm not right. so we're not interested unfortunately that, yeah right yeah yeah and and you know but the barry jackson article you know i think this was more just throwing names against a wall i don't think it's necessarily like the names but it, it listed Billy Napier, Marcus Freeman, who is an assistant. Yeah, not that's interested. a no. And then who was the third? Oh, Luke Fickle. Good coach. I don't think he's a good fit for Miami. No, I, I don't either. Yeah, I can't see him walking into. They that, would say what... be, that, that would probably be my only reservation for PJ Fleck, too, that he's just like a Great Lakes guy. I don't think I think Fleck has the swagger to come to. South I think Florida. he does too. But I don't think Fickle I mean, that would does. be my only thing that I'd be like a little worried about. Fickle to me, like they talk about Fickle in USC, and they say we're not sure he's an LA guy. Well, if he's not an LA guy, he's definitely not going to be a Miami guy. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Well, mm -hmm. story time, real quick on PJ Fleck, young Andrew Ivins. I was covering, oh man, Notre Dame. Uh, I, this might have been. 2015 i don't know they used to when 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 mega camps and satellite camps were hot uh they do this thing up in up in the midwest best of the midwest uh over four thousand kids on one field you know jim harbaugh's there pj flex there i'm standing right there talking to a western michigan staffer so this is when pj's at western michigan goes right up to the staffer he goes i don't know what the curse word you 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 got to do but to show me the the 10 kids i need to shake hands with here in the next 10 minutes 
and he just walked away. So yeah, um, that's that has been a lasting image in my. No, head. he yeah. is. I, that in my veins. <laughs> some people, some people think he's corny. I like him, so you know, I get it. I guess if you think he's corny, but I think he'd I be like a corny good fit. to corny to an extent. I feel like works. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's like win, creating that excitement. Absolutely. Yeah. Dabba yeah. Swinney is corny. Yeah. Let's get out of here on this. Um, and this doesn't have to be too long, but so let's say Miami does make a move um, for that next coach, whoever it would be. Andrew, you're very familiar with the roster management and the talent on this roster right now is the cupboard bear for that next coach walking it. Like, obviously the depth will be a concern, blah, blah, blah. But is there something to work with and not necessarily win 10 games right away, but it's not going to be an FSU disaster. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you guys are the ones out at practice. Um, so I, I don't really know, you know, in, in terms of, I, I think there's some, definitely some talented pieces. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting if there is a move that happens. Cause what, you know, I, I know Bud Elliott at, at 24 seven sports has kind of detailed this whole thing, man, the, the transition classes in this new signing early signing area are really, really hard. You got to go portal. Guys. You got to go portal. So then, yeah. you know, you would think if, if we're going that maybe developmental route, you would try to take some, some guys that have some, some years, some, some tread left on the tires instead of one year fixes, but no, I don't, I don't think it's completely bare. Like quarterbacks. Okay. That's a good start, right? Yeah, running back's kind of a disaster. What what happened there? Well, we got uh, suspensions <laughs> and ACL injuries, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, it's just, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you got Leonard Taylor. I think everyone would agree, even though Miami's not playing him. He is a very intriguing talent. So hopefully he does not transfer. Can, and... can, I, get, can I get in one? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Like Miami going and offering a junior college defensive lineman on on Tuesday night, like, do you think, do you not From think France. there's some, do you not think there's some school around the country that is messaging Leonard Taylor? Hey man, they're not even playing you, but Hey, like, look, they're going to over, try to over recruit you right now. Like, yeah. We live, bring we live in an, an older an, guy. We live in an era where you have to recruit your own roster, man. Is that sending the right message? Yeah. No words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Andrew, he's going to play a lot this week. Don't worry. Desmond Watson, <laughs> Desmond Watson played against Alabama for Florida. Who weighs 400 pounds. I know. Yeah. Insane. I know. Uh, no, but. Uh, no, but some... I'm, I'm saying like, look, it's not obviously whoever that coach would be would have to do work with recruiting. And to me, that's the number one trait this new head coach would have to have. Yes. Dog recruiter. But I think, I think Jake Garcia, there's something there. I think there's something there with the young receivers. Again, even though they don't play them, Elijah Arroyo is a very good tight end. You know, there's, there's stuff there. Chance Williams looks to be something, right? There's something there. Yeah. So, and you got to keep, you got to find a way to keep these young, these cornerback commits in the class. So there is definitely holes in this roster. Absolutely. But I don't think like we're seeing right now with FSU, like the roster has just been so atrocious that it's been hard for not only Willie Taggart, but also Mike Norvell to get this thing off the ground. Whether or not yeah. they're good coaches is another discussion, but the roster is just a mess. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Once you get so far behind in, in the eight ball, it's it's really hard to, to claw your way out, right? You know, because you're not going to have the the access to the top guys in the portal. Everyone wants the guys in the portal, and then it just snowballs, man. I, and you're right. That's what I think the issue right right now with Florida State is. I, let me ask you this, David. I know we're now in some tangent, but did, <laughs> I'm here did for Miami it. not make a mistake like going after Jermaine Johnson? Like, yes. that should have been the guy they went after, right? Absolutely. They, they, I, if I remember it correctly, they just were a little too quote unquote patient. Like it seemed like Florida State got on him. You're our guy, million percent, before even Miami made a real move on him. And then like two days later, he announces, oh, I'm going to Florida State. Yeah. And so, yes, that was disappointing. And absolutely, he would he would be changing this defense in some way, right? Like his defensive end. He'd be playing over Zach McLeod for sure. Right. The defensive line isn't, isn't maybe the issue, but it's definitely not as good in terms of edge rushing as we've seen here in recent years. So anything else we need to get off our chest? Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. Look, like, 
not not to be the optimist, but you know, Miami, the bulk of the schedule is ahead of them. We'll see. I, I, I don't have much faith in, in what's going on. and I'm It doesn't look good, but uh, you certainly... Know, I'm going to be watching 12 hours of football on, on Saturday. Like, I, I guess I'm is, – is this game on the ACC network? No, nah, man. It's on, like, Valley Sports oh, like locally. Valley Sports, yeah. What's wrong with that? It's a home of the Florida Panthers, boys. That's, that's exactly <laughs> There you um, go. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tune in because I want to I want to know. Is, is, like, Van Dyke the guy or is Jake Garcia the guy? Because um, I'm, I'm in team, team Van Dyke TVD, so. You are? Oh, yeah. Get out of here. I know. <laughs> I mean, I mean – they're both very good. So let's wrap it up on that. Um, thank you, Andrew, for joining us, making another appearance on the pod. Uh, you weren't too rusty. You held your own. Held my own. I probably talked too much. I'm sorry, Gabby. No, you're good, bro. Gabby doesn't mind. I definitely don't. <laughs> we, we have to do too many of these podcasts now. So let's wrap it up there. Again, Miami takes on Central Connecticut, 1230 kick, Valley Sports. Uh, We will see a lot of young players. Hopefully we will see a lot of young players make plays. So uh, till next time, guys, thanks for listening and take care. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.